chapter 4 and verse 13, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go in such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So I want to speak to you this morning on the topic in this third installment of our pure series on a pure walk. A pure walk. Now, beloved, I like a plan. I like, a, uh, I like a plan. I enjoy sitting down, formulating a direction based on a vision, and then attacking it. That's how, that's how I, I enjoy operating in my life. Planning, organization, order, diaries, schedules. There's something that I've lived with for as long as I can remember. Even when I was a teenager, my life was, was scheduled out between workouts and school and sports and home duties, etc. But, but personally, I enjoy the little box of a well-designed plan in life. I enjoy that. I think, it, to me, it brings security, it brings comfort uh, that's found within the confines of a regi- regimented schedule. That's what I enjoy personally. Now, much of this I preached on yesterday in the Faith Rex series, not what we're hearing this morning, but the idea of prioritizing performance in your life. How to live an orderly life and how really and truly an orderly, scheduled, and disciplined life is a godly life. Proverbs tells us in in chapter 11 and verse 1 that a false balance is abomination with God. He says it yet again later on that that divers' weights are abomination, but a just weights are his delights, we find about in chapter 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, uh, let all things be done decently and in order. So guys, there is nothing wrong uh, with an orderly life. There's nothing wrong with a disciplined, directed, regimented life, a scheduled life at all. However, we must remember one rule. There there is one rule that many will forget, they'll forsake it, or they'll even forfeit it. And that is simply this, do not make any plans without God. Do not make any plans without God. One of the reasons we find in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Beloved, our thoughts are not equal to God's, and they never will be on this side of glory. His ways are higher than our ways, and and this is why it's so confounding uh, when mankind thinks he can determine the thoughts of God in a book. I mean, that that man can take God's word, change it, twist it, alter it, and then proclaim we have the thoughts of God. Listen to me. God blessed his word. Amen. I challenge you to find anywhere where God blessed his thoughts written in a book. You will not find it. But planning with purpose is proper. 
There is nothing wrong with organization. There is nothing wrong with schedules. I think they are healthy. And I believe the the Bible teaches that, that we find a biblically formatted uh, plan in our life that we should abide and live by schedules. We should abide and live by boundaries. We We should not just flounder through life. We should be governed in our life by what we see or what we schedule and what we write down. Yet, they should be governed by this thought, that if you desire to have a pure walk in this world, you need to write your plans with a chalk or a pencil while God write his with ink. His ways for our walk will always be for the better. It may not seem like it at the time. It may not fill your pot the desires that you have, but his ways in our life, guys, his schedules, his plans, his direction, his guidance will always be better for us in this world. It may not be immediate, but it will be for the long run. Jeremiah 29 tells us this. We'll see this three times today. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now, I understand Jeremiah 29, verse 11 Doctrinally is a verse directed toward Israel. So make sure, make sure you don't take this in a doctrinal application and apply it into the New Testament church. But you can take this on board as a practical application. You know, if, to say that the Lord doesn't know the thoughts that he thinks toward us, we know that he knows that. To say that the Lord that, that has thoughts of peace, we know that he has that, not of evil. And to give us an expected end. Beloved, planning helps in our life. An organizational chart sets the course for an achievement of its goals. But plans and goals simply made according to the wisdom of man will soon find their path to be troubled. They'll find their path to be interrupted and in many ways blocked completely. Confucius once said this. Confucius said, a man who does not plan long ahead will find trouble at his door. Now, guys, I, I see people, I see Christians uh, putting quotes out there of Confucius and, and, and all these different men. And, and at face value, that statement sounds good, it sounds proper, uh, yet it comes from a man who also believed that your ancestors should be worshipped. As, 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 as they are guiding you through the path in the universe. That's what Confucius believed. Ancestral worship is a pagan practice led by Satan, which ushers its followers in to an eternity of torment in hell's flames. Make that very clear this morning. However, I'll take it from the Lord Jesus Christ who said this in Luke 14, verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost whether ye have sufficient to finish it. I think I'm going to take the words of Jesus Christ opposed to an ancestral you know, worshiping pagan. So needless to say, the Lord is not anti-planning. Please understand that this morning. The Lord is not anti-organizing or, or setting a pattern schedule. He's not against any of that. We see that clearly in the Luke 14 there. However, in, in the text, in our text this morning, the Apostle James specifically exhorts us that we should, we should not make any plans apart from God especially not to boast about them. And since we, since we have absolutely no control over the external, external parts of our life or the events which may happen, in reality, guys, if we face the fact that James is talking about here, take it on board with the organizing aspect that Jesus has, has taught us as well, we understand that we have no tomorrow. We cannot bank on tomorrow. 
Verses 13 and 14 says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city, continue there a year, and buy and selling it gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Now, to some people, that sounds like a mighty negative statement. It, it seems like somebody's living in a very pessimistic world. And, and you're, if you're, I mean, people think that a nihilist, if you will, lives according to that thought. And they, they typically do. They don't see any positive in life. They see they just chase after death. They wait for death to knock on their door. That's not what James is saying. That's not what he's teaching us. But in our plans today, as we search God's will, we depend and trust on what He wants for us in our life. If you want a pure walk in our life, it must not be built upon the wisdom that comes from mankind, but rather the wisdom that comes from God. And that's what teaches us beyond this, tomorrow is not promised. My dad always raised me that, with the idea that tomorrow never comes, meaning this, you need to work today for what you need now. Proverbs 27 and verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know what's going to happen, even if tomorrow occurs. We can schedule out, we can plan it, we can be in order, but we mustn't depend on it. And we definitely should not boast about it. But we have no idea what the next minute will hold in our life. Right now, there are events going on in the world that could change everything in the blink of an eye. Events in the Middle East, wars and battles across the globe, global farming interruption, open borders allowing criminals to flood into first world nations, robbing us of the peace and resources. And if you don't think that's happened, open your eyes. Amen. Wake up. Quit taking a nap and look at what's going on in the world today. People ain't flooding the borders of third world nations. They're flooding the borders of welfare states so they can come in and rob them of their resources. Amen. But we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tonight. We don't understand what will transpire in the coming hours. Our plans, our goals, and even our schedules need to be written according to the will of God, which is always going to be based upon the Word of God. Why? We can't control tomorrow. You and I cannot figure out tomorrow. And do you know why we don't understand tomorrow? Because we don't have God's thoughts. We don't have his thoughts, no matter what we may think today. Again, verse 15 says, for, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. We should never boast about our short-range or even our long-range plans without God in the equation. Our lives and our future, guys, are in God's control. And his thoughts and his ways are much higher than our thoughts and our ways. Therefore, if our thoughts and our lives and our schedules and our plans and that which he's going to allow and enable us to do tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, if it's all in his will and his plans, then we, listen, man, we are in no safer place than to be in the center of his will with his guiding hand of protection in our life. It doesn't mean that you just flippantly go through the world. It simply means that you make your plans according to the word of God and you depend on them based upon the will of God. Does that make sense to you this morning? That should make sense to you this morning. It's his thoughts that we need to depend on, not ours. This, this is the point that I, I've tried to impress upon our people for years to come, guys, or years to go. Uh, you know, God's never going to be figured out. 
you know, there, there, there are people who just want to figure out God. For some reason, some strange, I don't know why they want to try to figure God out, but if mankind can be educated to the height of knowing and understanding the thoughts of God, then he is no God at all, my friend. If you can figure out your God today, then he is no God. This is why the academia struggles to accept the validity of the inspired uh, word of God in this book right here. They truly feel as if they can work out the mind and the thoughts of God. And, and beloved, this was the temptation from the very beginning, if you think about it. The devil himself said unto mankind, uh, For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. It was the, it was the, the desire and the lust of knowledge. That was a part that drove them to break the only rule they had. The father of lies is the one who said in his own heart in Isaiah 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That last one there was the fifth statement he made. And that was how judgment was executed upon Lucifer right then and there. Beloved, next, can I say this to you this morning? Just give you kind of a rule of thumb to live by in listening to people. The next time you hear someone say, uh, uh, whether a book or whatever it is, contains the thoughts of God, you know who and what it's rooted in. That ain't rooted in God, that's rooted in the devil. And I don't care how nice they are, I don't care how sweet they are, I don't care how kind they are, it doesn't matter. If they're going to tell you they have, a, they have the thoughts of God written in their book, you cut them off. They make life easy for you, won't they? They make life simple. Again, we go back to the square pegs and the square hole and the round pegs and the round hole. It's that simple. The biggest struggle with, the, with this crowd is the lack of submission in their life. If, if they would only understand God is only out for what is best for them. He's not trying to make life hard or to hurt them. Remember, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil. You know, guys, you know, my children, we've raised four children. We have four adult children now. And we love them as much today as we did the day they were born, okay? And we do nothing but give them advice that is going to benefit them now and potentially in the future if God allows them to have that future. What kind of parent would give their, their son or their daughter advice that was not directly beneficial for them personally right off the bat? A sadist would do that. Someone who has some type of pleasure in other people's pain. A selfish person would do that. They were going to give them advice, so they trip and they fall, and then all of a sudden they have a savior complex. They step in. Hey, you're the one that made me fall in the first place. No parent worth their weight in salt, no parent who loves their children is ever going to give them advice that is not going to directly or intentionally directly benefit them in this life. Whether that advice goes against their will or not is beside the fact. It does not matter. It doesn't matter whether those children like it or not. What matters is that that parent loves them enough to sacrificially give them advice that's going to benefit them now and in the years to come. So if an earthly father and mother can do the same thing, or can do that, okay, who earthly, you know, human beings, we, we fail every day. What do you think an omniscient, omnipotent, perfect, sinless God is doing for his creation? Do you think he's going to give you guidance and direction 
that is going to hurt you, that is for your detriment? No, sir. You may not like it. It may be a struggle. It may be difficult. It may be hard. It may be work. There's a four-letter word for you. But it's always going to be for your benefit. It's always going to be, guys, not evil. It's going to be for your peace. This is the crux of what James is teaching us today about understanding we don't know what holds tomorrow. We do not have the thoughts of God, but he knows what, what tomorrow holds, and he has his own thoughts. Therefore, our will must be submissive to him, and our plans must be based upon his word if you're going to have a pure walk in this world today. So the question lying at the heart's door this morning is whether or not we'll take what we've heard, what we've read, and make the turn. Make the turn. Pull the pen. Verses 16 and 17 in our text says, But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. There's two types of sin, basically, in the world today. There are the sins of commission, sins that you outright commit, actively, physically, mentally, emotionally, verbally. And then there are the sins that you, of omission. The sins that you know to do the right thing, and you purposely and willfully do not do it. That is what we're referring to here. Will you make the turn knowing now to do good? Will you make the turn knowing that you don't have the thoughts of God? Will you now make the turn, submit to his will, into his word, make your plans according to the word of God? Will you make that turn today now having received the information? So many people will hear, but they will not be moved. So many will listen, but they'll make no changes in their life. So many will even read, but never alter their course. Knowing the right thing to do, yet doing it not, my friend, that is sin. It is equivalent to you hitting the accelerator in your vehicle once you saw the sign that said, bridge is, bridge is out. Bridge is broken ahead. There's a ravine 100 feet down. And you say, let's go. Let's carry on. Let's speed up. That's exactly what it is. For you to carry forward today, hearing what you've heard, and doing the very same thing, knowing the right thing to do, and doing it not. Guys, it is open, blatant sin. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced that your sin of omission will revert into a sin of commission once you continue forward. So even if we make plans for our future, we must ensure they are written using chalk or pencil, allowing ourselves to, with the follow-up questions, what if? What if God, let God use the eraser in our life and write, our, write his plans in our days in ink. Let us always remember that God should be consulted in all of our plans and they should be made according to his will based upon his word. We should live and speak with the realization that our destinies, guys, are in his control. We would say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and we will do this or that. Omitting God from future plans, guys, is not merely bad planning, but it is open and outright sin. We should only make our plans conscious and dependent upon God himself, recognizing his sovereign control over our lives. Letting our future plans be only according to God's will, according to God's purposes, so that his thoughts and his plans will be revealed for us and in us and through us. 
remembering, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. My friend, this is where a pure walk begins, and this is where a pure walk ends. Placing our plans in the hands of God Almighty. Asking and seeking His will every day, every hour, every minute, every moment of the way. So that our life not only is pleasing unto Him, but rewarding unto others. Beneficial to ourselves. Can I encourage you this this morning? Search your heart now. Search your heart on your schedule, your plans for the entire week. What you planned out last week, what you're going to plan out this week, knowing what you should do in comparison to what you are doing. And make the turn in your life. If you're not as committed as you should be, now you know it. Get committed as you should be. If you're not, if you're not doing, and again, I'm not going to go through the list, guys. You're adults. You've heard it enough over the past multitude of years from this very pulpit. You know the right thing to do and what is pleasing to God. And what is beneficial to you. And yet you may keep hitting roadblocks in your life. And you keep hitting speed bumps. And you keep hitting all these things. And, and you sit back and you go, man, I don't understand. I'm just walking the way I always have. And I'm walking as best as I can. Then I'm going to ask you, are you really walking as best as you can? Because God's given us a plan right here. He's laid it out for us. You can have a pure walk. This is the third installment. We've looked at pure worship, pure wisdom, and pure walking today. We've got one more installment in a couple of weeks. We'll take a break next Sunday. But there's a reason why the pure series is here. Because we're rebuilding on the foundations of who and what God wants us to be, both relationships with one another and relationships with Him. And our walk should be pure in this life. So my friend, if you want to pure walk today, you're going to place your plans, your will, into his word, submitting unto his will in these days. And if he lets us see tomorrow, praise God. You have your tick list done. You have your schedule done. My, I, got, I got to finish my schedule for the week. But every time I write that, that schedule down in pencil, it's going to be based upon the Lord's will. If the Lord's will, I'll do this, I'll do that. And let his word reign supreme in my heart, in my life. Will you bow your heads this morning? Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time this morning to stand in, in your pulpit. Father, we pray that we have exalted your name. We pray that your word was lifted up on high. We simply ask you now that if you will, Lord, answer these prayers according to thy will. Let us, dear Lord, look at our life and how we have scheduled out the upcoming days. And, and Father, let us not just say, if the Lord will... And then carry on doing whatever there is we need to do knowingly. That he would have us to do something else. Lord, I do love you and I thank you. I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for your precious word. And I simply just ask you to help us take on board, Lord, this pure series. Help us take on board what we've heard today. Help us apply it into our hearts and our lives. Help us, dear Lord, exalt the name of Christ in this life. Help us bring the gospel unto the lost and dying. Help us, Lord, live for you in every step we take. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. I hope and pray that preaching and teaching of the Word of God is a blessing to your heart and to your mind this morning.